Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And Brandon, it is, you know, we're not in the season right now. We're not even in like the draft season quite yet. We're not quite there yet. We're in the doldrums of late February. And yet, Brandon, we're not going to go through three ins and three outs like we normally might, but boy, oh boy, do I have three things I do want to chat with you about today. You've got three things you want to chat about. We have an interview. We are completely blowing up the three in, three out format for this episode, and I can't wait to get into it. Sometimes you got to zig when the world zags, Brendan. You, you have to, and we have a great example of that with today's guest who's coming on a little bit later. We have Patrick Dees of Fan Controlled Football. It's uh, it's up on Twitch. Seahawks fans, I know you've seen the clip going around about Marshawn Lynch being in the announcer booth. And so, you know, when we saw that going around, when and Clinton's been on top of this Fan Controlled Football all along. He's an owner of Marshawn Lynch's team, a co-owner with Marshawn mm-hmm. Lynch. So we decided to go out and... and well, not we. Clinton went out and decided to get the the guy who's set it all up, and we're going to be talking to him today on the show. Fired up for that. Let's get rocking and rolling. Brandon, the offseason is typically, especially for Seahawks fans, it can often be kind of kind of what? Give me give me a, a, a descriptive word there. Or or even better yet, this offseason so far has been ridiculous. Ridiculous. No, that's a pretty good word. It's been, it's with the whole, with everything, with, with, you know, Russell Wilson being it's the marquee. It's too ridiculous too early, if I can use four words. Too legit to quit, too ridiculous too early. And then, you know, in the, in the, the vein and in the love, the allure of three and three out, we're going to put the Russell Carrington Wilson talk and put it to the side. Everybody's still talking about that. Even today, there was more like, oh, it starts with three first round picks and now there's a price on it. I'm like, shut up. Just shut up. Yeah. And $40 million cap hit later, we're not trading our franchise quarterback. So be quiet. However, beyond that ridiculousness, there's also a lot of dumb things. So in that spirit of three and three out, Brandon, I've carved out three really dumb things I keep hearing about our Seahawks that I want to put on blast. I can't wait to hear what they are because I I can imagine you had to do some narrowing down just to get to three, much like when there's three and three out, you got to narrow down the ins, you got to narrow down the outs and you end up with the things that are bugging you the most in this case. Let's hear number one. All right. We're wading through the, uh, the, the idiocracy as it is there. All right. So the first one for me, Brandon, I'm going to get right to is this notion that we, we've got to spend and we've got to find ourselves a veteran third wide receiver. Like this is, this is just making me go a little bananas here. You hear names, like especially the names I'm hearing out there, like, oh, oh, look at Will Fuller would do in this, in this offense. Look at AJ Green. AJ Green, Brandon? Like people are calling for veteran wide receivers who lots of them happen to get injured like every other week. Do we want Deshaun Jackson too? He just got cut. Like, why not just bring it? Just bring in all the injured elderly wide receivers. I I agree that we need a we need. I've been calling for a third wide receiver yeah. for about two years now. I, David Moore to me wasn't two years ago. He wasn't this year. He's not the answer as our third wide receiver, but a vet. Third wide receiver is got to be the dumbest thing I've heard so far, or at least it's on the podium. 
what you're not going to see the Seahawks go out and do is find a guy who's in that mold of one of the, the top guys out there where where another team who needs a number one is going to overpay for a guy who should be a number two or number three, a la Paul Richardson going to Washington a couple years back. The Seahawks aren't going to do that. They, for one, they already have two number ones, essentially, in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And, you know, there's probably going to be some argument over which one of those is the number one guy. So you really do need a just a true number three. And those guys you're looking, I mean, Philip Dorsett, if he would have played last year, he would right. have been the number three type veteran that you go out and find a guy who comes in relatively cheap. You're not going to want to see a guy come in who's making more than, I don't know, five mil, like anything above that. The Seahawks, I think, should avoid. I think it's I think it's way too too hot in the hot tub for what that person needs to be and the and again it's the type right we talked about this in in the in the season wrap up while we watched some of the teams advance to the Super Bowl where we're like we want some dudes with that that super quick twitch the slot guys who could work zones who who just have who are just super quick I'm, I don't mean. 40 yard dash Metcalf style, like, you know, four, two, eight. There's just not that many humans on earth who can do that, but those super, super quick dudes. And we're going to find that like a 29 year old receiver or a 31 year old expensive receiver. I do not get it. I will say there is one name out there. I will say there is one older wide receiver who has been a darn good slot guy really quick. I think he still has some juice left in him. Can you guess which guy actually probably would want on the team? No. I would be okay with Golden Tate coming back to our Seahawks, man. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just that I, he was one of my favorites. And then when we, when we cut him, I felt like we lost a piece of like our, our identity. Um, in fact, well, we, we didn't cut him. Did we, what, what was he? No, he was free agent. Yeah, it feels like so long ago. So, so you know, I classified it as a cut. It just we didn't resign the dude, and and it felt it, it felt like a mistake at the time. And and he's like, went on to have a very very good career. He's the one guy, Brandon, that I actually think is shifty enough. We know his hands are still good, and he has that kind of just vibe of a him as a third wide receiver with Metcalf and Lockett. I could get behind that. How do you feel if Golden were to come back to town? I. Uh... The name that I'm looking at, if, if I had my guy that might fit within the system, especially with Shane Waldron coming in, it would be Josh Reynolds, who is a free agent from the Rams and a guy who I mean, he had his most prolific year last year with 618 yards. And I don't think he's going to be a super expensive guy. And, and so that's probably more the type of name that I could see the Seahawks going out and getting, especially coming from that Ram system. Well, I'll make you a deal. How about no Josh Reynolds, no Golden Tate? We go to the draft and we find ourselves a, a darn good slot guy with that quick twitch we're looking for. How's that sound? Hey, and Philip Dorsett could be back too. Okay, we'll put him in the we'll throw him in the mix and we'll move on to dumb idea number two. Okay, this is all about the cap space. This is all about okay, we don't have cap space, we don't have this. We all know the cap is magical. It's like a mythical beast. It can be manipulated. And in a season where it's lower than it was expected to be, like even lower than it was supposed to be, yada, 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 with the whole COVID season, people know all about that. We, I get it, but there are some dumb notions going around. And the dumbest of the dumb is this concept of quote unquote, freeing up cap space 
by cutting really good veteran players. So you're giving yourselves a talent deficit to regain some coin so that you have to go back out and go find other talent, maybe cheaper, maybe, who could be at the same par or higher level. I understand, I, I realize I just described all of free agency, I get how that works, but, but in particular, there's a couple of names that are being thrown around and, and the two I wanna bring out is, they're like, well, if we were to cut Jaron Reed and Carlos Dunlap, we'd, say, we'd have 23 million in cap space this year. And it's like, wait a second, hold the phone. We just got Dunlap in, he outperformed, he's on a contract that we can uh, flip in the sense that we could, we could pay him more, you know, pay, glad you, gladly pay, pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, we could pay him more in bonus, push the money out to years where there will be a balloon in the cap again post-COVID and keep Dunlap, who's been darn good. And then, by the way, Brandon, how did Jaron Reed perform when he had a suitable defensive end next to him in Carlos Dunlap? How did he do? Oh, yeah. His play in the second half of the season went up as soon as he had that pairing with Carlos Dunlap. Huh. Almost, almost like as if he had a guy like Frank Clark next to him again. Just, just that other dude that could be disruptive take on two guys, blow past his guy. And it's like, okay, so you want to give up a, a pretty darn good combo. I think Jaron Reed is like a, a solid B defensive tackle that's on the cusp of being a B plus if he's got the right, the right ensemble. And Dunlap is just a solid B plus, A minus edge guy. Brandon, am I nuts to think that I don't care about 23 million in cap space? Do, do what you got to do contractually. Keep those dudes, free up a little bit of cap space, but don't go gambling with your freaking defensive line for no reason. When you have players who are talented, why would you cut them and try and go out amongst the free agents? Now, if you can cut a guy and bring him back at a lower salary, great. But that sure. doesn't work out all that often. You know, Usually when you cut a guy, he's like, well, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else then, somewhere where I want to go. Carlos Dunlap didn't choose to come here. He came here in a trade. So he would have all the other teams to go to to try and decide who he wanted to go to next. And really, $14 million for a pass rusher, that's not a ton, especially for the caliber of pass rusher that we saw when he came to Seattle last year. So I am in agreement with you, Carlos Dunlap. You got to keep that guy. I just get a sense that, Clinton, there is a segment of, and maybe it's of every fan base, but there is a salary cap nation within <laughs> our segment of the fan base that they just can't wait to see how much money that they can free up to see what's available to go spending. And, and it's not, it doesn't really matter who they're targeting. It's like they want the pot of money and the pot yeah. of money is the goal. And if that were the goal last season, KJ Wright would have been cut off this team and mm -hmm. he wouldn't have had the outstanding season that he did. Yeah, he was he was probably our best defensive player of the year last year. And and while we're at it, you know, with the, the baby with the bathwater, people people are throwing the name like Tyler Lockett in the same bucket. Like, oh, yeah, toss him away for a second or, you know, toss him for a third. It's like what what planet are you on where that bit with the lottery ticket and the money is worth the known entity of a darn good veteran player who, you know, is going to bring it again, at least another year, the next year. And. Like we talked about, you could manipulate around the edges. You could do some things to scratch a few million dollars back, give them bonus money, push the money out to a, to a more bloated year cap-wise, and not go gambling with some of your core, core players. I just think it is 
beyond dumb. And and I, I also think it carries into one one other little bonus sidecar for me is this notion of like, you know, you know, an area, Brandon, where I where I want to spend free agency money. Where where do where do you think I think spending money makes darn good sense of this team? If you are like me, it is offensive line, defensive line, and that's about it. Yeah. You know why? Because you're a smart freaking dude. I mean, I watched the the Buccaneers destroy the quote unquote best best team in the game with the Chiefs there through the defensive line. And, and then, oh, by the way, they had their way with the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line because they blew them off the ball. And Fournette and company, they they ran all over them. They ran well, they ran 35 times that game yeah. in a league, in a league where running doesn't matter. And yes, go get your sure thing B, C plus, B plus linemen, pay for them, and then get the rest of your stuff through the freaking draft and through trades. Like, I don't even think it's that complicated. And Brandon, that's my sidecar dumb to B because that's another thing I keep hearing is like, oh, we could just go to the draft for linemen. No, we need linemen this year. We need them to be better this year. We need a new center and a new left guard because you potty just freaking retired. Yeah, everybody who is pointing out the fact that Russell Wilson could be traded just because he's 32 years old and, and he, now he's starting to get toward the older side of quarterbacks in the NFL. The Seahawks are in win now mode, not rebuild mode. So when you're in win now mode, you got to go out, find the vets and whether it's bargain or maybe you got to pay the guys. Actually, that's what the position this team is in. And, you know, if they have to start trending more toward what other teams are doing to try and push that salary cap off to try and maintain that win now mode as long as they can, this is the time to do it. It is the time to do it. And that will bring us directly into our into our third dumb idea. Are you ready for it? Let's hear it. So for me, Brandon, the other place to not put big money is I don't, I want nothing to do with any of these big money tight ends. You you don't want to trade a, a sixth round pick for Zach Ertz and take on that $8.5 million uh, salary that he has? Nothing. Remember the, the word, the word of the day, nothing. I want no. I mean, especially Zach Ertz. Like we're going to go chase another, another old, you know, another aging tight end. Now, I'm not saying there's bad players there. Everett's a fine player. Jonu Smith is, I think John Smith's a good player who was just in a different type of system where he probably couldn't be a star with Tennessee. With that, I also, I'm like Tommy Lee Jones staring down Harrison Ford as, as he's about to jump over the, the, the waterfall thing in the pipe. And he goes, I didn't kill her. And Tommy Lee Jones says, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't care. John Smith is there. I don't care. Everett's there. It doesn't matter. Put the money into the old line and do not spend big money on a, on a veteran tight end. That is dumb idea number three for me where I'm like, oh boy, I, we talk about fan control football. I want some fan control football brand that I want to be able to control some of these people and say, you know, just, just grab them by the neck and say, don't be stupid. See, this leads us right into our interview, Clinton. We're, we're going to talk about this fan control football. We've got Patrick D's. What do you say we take a break, we come back, and we talk about everything that goes in to this fan-controlled football league? Because I know you. You, you want to have control. I, I do, and I'm pushing them buttons. So before we bring Patrick on, Brandon, I have a, I just have a question. I'm going to interview you. You ready for this, Brandon? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. How old are you? I am almost 42. 
almost 42. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm almost 43. I'll be 43 at the end of next month. So, you know, one year senior. So this is, this is going to add up. You're going to see why. So at 42, have you achieved like all your lifelong goals of, you know, owning a professional football team yet? I have, I have not yet gained ownership into a, a football team. Okay. So, but if you had a chance to be a professional football team owner and you could be a co-owner with Marshawn Lynch, would that be cool or, or lame? I would, I would tend to lean more toward the cool part. Like me and Marshawn, like if I can tell my friends that I own a football team with Marshawn Lynch, I, I think that'd be something that, that, that would be fun to throw around. And then if you were the co-owner, but they also said, hey, you could be part GM, you could be part play caller, you could even be on the rules committee for this league. Would that potentially be also like kind of cool for you to, to do these things as an as a owner of, of a professional football team? Where, where are we going to Fantasy Island here? Do we, we start saying the plane, the plane? <laughs> the play, no, no I, I wish we were because I love that little guy so much and his little white suit looks, looking so crisp. But no, we're talking about fan control football. And I hit you up a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, you could invest in this. I, they, my, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the world my in was $150, 150 American, not even Dogecoin, Brandon. <laughs> and for that, I am a proud co-owner of the FCA. F beasts that is owned by Marshawn Lynch. So yes, I co-own a team with beast mode, future hall of famer, Seahawks legend, Marshawn Lynch. And we're bringing Patrick Dees, who's the co-founder and chief gaming officer, which I'm excited to chat about of the FCF, which is AKA fan controlled football, the new professional football league, taking the world, nay, the multiverse by storm. Brandon, Patrick, welcome to the field goals podcast. How you doing, man? Oh man, so good when I get a multiverse reference in the in the intro. Like I, I know I'm in my home, I'm amongst my people, you know? It's pretty good. Uh, excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Awesome. So we'll, we'll, we'll kick it right off as, as you guys do in the FCF. But you know, right now we're we're reaching out to you got a nice audience here. You got an audience on a on a tee that you're gonna love teeing it up to kick it off. And like this is these are passionate. Seahawks fans, passionate NFL fans, passionate 12s who like love, love, love the game, love the sport, of course, yeah. love the Seahawks. But I Marshawn. bet you, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I bet you like seven or eight or nine out of 10 still, which is great because that means all opportunity. They don't know yet what FCF, what the heck is FCF? Yeah. So they see you for the first time. Let's lay, let's put the foundation down. Give the good people of earth here. What is the FCF? Yeah, man. Uh, it's a good question. It's Madden in real life. I mean, just to be very succinct, it is literally, uh, it is a league powered by fans where fans have the opportunity to choose everything that happens on and off the field. So that includes personnel decisions. We went through all of the branding exercises at the beginning of the season. So fans chose the logos of the teams, the the colors, the uniforms. They did a rule vote. So they determined what a catch is in the league. And then, you know, um, they actually, each week there's a live draft and fans are calling plays in real time. They are uh, fans level up. So the more we believe everybody gets a vote, not every vote is created equal. So the more you're engaged in the ecosystem that you're calling plays and that those plays that you call are successful, you actually earn more fan IQ, you level up and then your vote carries a little bit more weight. So currently four teams were playing in Atlanta. This is our ver uh, season version 1.0. We're all tech entrepreneurs, the founders. Uh, three of us are, and then we have former NFLer. But, you know, this is it's early access software. So this is this is the season where we're learning what's going to be the most effective before we start scaling it uh, a little bit and then and then transparently go on to other sports. So, you know, we believe that Pete, this, you know, we, this is a football reimagined for the digital age. Like if you were inventing football right now, because nobody anywhere ever was catfish. 
excited about a kicker, right? They're like, a field goal unit's on the field. They're like, yeah, the kicker's here. Nobody's ever said that. So when we thought about this, we were rethinking it from the digital age. So games are an hour long. I told you it was the lean forward experience. You know, you're calling plays the whole time. It lives on Twitch. You know, it's purpose built for that, both audience and then te- technology. And then, you know, so as we as we get through version 1.0 and we expand the, the, the season, the goal is to take this technology and this approach to other sports. So taking a hard look at baseball and cricket and other things that I think are ripe for disruption um, and that, you know, people want to mix it up a little bit. Very nice. I love the idea of uh, baseball and cricket also getting disrupted too <laughs> because those are some long games, right? So, yep. So since we are in the multiverse, and, and Clinton referenced <laughs> that earlier, I, I think it's important we talk about the origin story of FCF. Sure. Marshawn Lynch is involved with this, and I, I hope people saw uh, his his clip that went out in, in week one of him <laughs> in the announcer box uh, yeah. talking about eating salad because, you know, that was dynamite. And Richard Sherman, also a part of it, too. So how did this all come together? <laughs> What's up? What I think people didn't see, and definitely go check out that clip. I'm in the booth for this game, and Marshawn came up, and Marshawn, for the life of him, does not remember my name. I've met the man <laughs> 10 times in real life, like spent a lot of time talking to Marshawn, calls me Big Dog consistently. So runs into the booth, literally, because I have no idea what my name is, runs into the booth. He's like, what's up, Big Dog? Punches me in the kidney, and then takes my mic and goes, he's catfish! Mine. And then and I was like, well, you just, I literally just put my headset on him. It's like, Go, dude, go. And we got that that kind of clip. Um, <laughs> where did it come from? Um, so I mentioned we were, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, prior to this. Um, you know, three of the four of us were you know, venture back startups and kind of uh, had done a lot kind of in that world. I specifically was partnered with our, our co-founder and CEO, Swarov Faroudi. We were uh, partners in a business called FlipSwap, which was the ostensibly was a Kelly Blue Book of cell phones. Um, it is literally, it was an algorithm that in real time would determine what your phone's value was in secondary markets all over the world. And we were young, venture-backed startup, trying to figure out what we were going to do the next, what was the next thing? We knew we made a really good team. We had a lot of good pieces around us. And what was the next thing we were going to do? We knew there was an exit coming. And Sora kept saying, well, he, he turned me into a Cowboys fan, which I know your audience is going to love. <laughs> I'm not. I'm embarrassed about it. I'm a closet Cowboys guy. But what, it was a function of the fact that I would, you know, the big Niners guy growing up, but like he was such a manic Cowboys guy as they are, that I knew my how my Mondays were going to be based on how well they did on Sunday. Do you know what I mean? So I found myself tuning in and be like, come on, just please. Catfish! Or just, come on. And so, so because Mondays were just so much better if the Cowboys won. And so this a lot of this started for, for me, and it's a little different vector from for Grant Cohen and, and, and uh, Ray Austin. But so when I were talking a little bit about what we were going to do next, and he joke, jokingly said, well, I'm going to buy the Cowboys, which is utterly ridiculous because we were in our mid-20s. Jerry Jones is still going to outlive us. We all know that. And that exit was not going to be big enough to buy the Cowboys. So what was it that we were going to actually do next? I, um, You mentioned my title. I'm Chief Gaming Officer, which is the ridiculous title you can do when you found something. But <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the video game guy of the group. I actually learned how football works through playing Madden. My dad was not much of a sports guy. Tremendous father. Like, you know, incredible dude, but didn't, didn't know, you know, the ins and outs of football. He doesn't know to prevent defenses. He couldn't tell me what a, you know, four, three was or, or, you know, a slant. So I actually learned about that through playing video games. And then on Sunday I would turn on the NFL and tell him what was happening on the screen. And he would pretend to give a shit. It was just a way for him to spend time with his kid. And so for me, that the idea of real time play calling and then that lean forward experience has always been part of football. So we started exploring what, what would that look like? And so we, uh, we had some stops and starts, Sorum and I owned, the Las Vegas Outlaws, which is a one-and-done AFL team. We learned uh, with Vince Neal from Motley Crue on another podcast. I'll spend a ton of time telling you what a dumpster fire of a human being Vince Neal is. But uh, needless to say... Uh, Dr. Feelgood was a great album. <laughs> uh, perfect for Vegas is what I will say. 
but then we look, we, we, we had an opportunity with the IFL and this is where this really got kicked off was if you're fan, your fans of the podcast know it's the indoor football league. It's kind of the premier indoor league right now. We'd fallen in love with the game because seven on sevens fast and nobody knows it. I don't think it's like this really popular format of the sport, but we fell in love with it. We approached the commissioner of the IFL. The guy's like 35. He looked like he was 15. And we said, look, we've got this crazy idea. We partnered with Grant Cohen, who's another venture back startup, whip smart dude. And Ray Austin, drafted by the Jets, uh, played six seasons in Chicago. Killer DB, great guy, who'd also been thinking about kind of fan-controlled sports. And so we went to the IFL and just said, hey, look, we want to let fans run the A team, start to finish. And they laughed at us. They said, we love you guys as owners. That's a crazy idea, which is the reaction we want. And we did it in our in our our hypothesis was if we put fans in a position to be successful, that they would be. And so we just let fans turn it up. I mean, fan IQ, you guys know this, like football fans right now know more about the game than they've ever known with the advent of Madden and fantasy. People know this game. And so we essentially just turned it over and said, run the team. So they chose where we played. We ended up being in Salt Lake. Um, it was a, and we looked at the geographic footprint of the league and negotiated a bunch of leases. And, and we ended up fans voted us in Salt Lake. I got a plane, I flew to Salt Lake, I looked down the barrel of the camera and said, you guys can name us anything that you want. Um, you know, and it was right around that Bodie and McBoat FaceTime. And I was like, can you name us Bodie McBoat Face? So I sat down, the, there was a chuckle in the room, and Saurav looked at me, he's like, they just got the app open, and there's 87 votes for Team McTeam Face. He's like, what are you doing? Like, stop. So we were almost named Team McTeam Faces, which I think would have been awesome. But fans voted uh, on our name. We were almost named. The number two name was the Storm and Mormons, which would have been incredible in Salt Lake. Uh, uh, the swag would have been incredible. Uh, but they named us the Screaming Eagles because there's a military base just outside of the uh, outside of the city. And look, they 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 chose our our logos, our colors, our mascot. They voted on our cheerleaders, which is the vote that had the most fraud in it, by the way, because T Cook at Apple.com voted for one cheerleader like two thousand times, which I thought was pretty great. Yeah, and they, cho- they, they, they interviewed, we did our interviews for our coaches live. They chose our coach. Uh, and then in 2017, fans called plays in real time. It's a much simpler interface than what we were doing now. But pure democratic vote, whatever the, fo- the, the call that was voted for most got run. And they finished with the third highest rated offense in the league. And we had an integrated with Twitch. So we went to, it was right around the, do you guys remember the Twitch plays Pokemon event where the fans, essentially there was, on Twitch, it was this like worldwide thing where fans in the chat would all vote on the next action that would happen in the game. It was literally being run in by people in chat. It was ridiculous. But over the course of two months, the chat beat the game. And so it was this really cool crowdsourced experience. And so we came to them and said, hey, this is like Twitch plays football. And it just blew up. We had 100 different countries uh, calling plays for this ostensibly minor league team in Salt Lake. And so it really gave us a lot of, um, a lot of belief that – that fans will be successful. The hypothesis was true. And so then, you know, after that league and gets us to now to take a step back and we said, Hey, look, let's, if we're going to do this, let's just reinvent football. Let's literally start from the beginning. It's this game we love. It could be better. Like I said, nobody's ever been thrilled about special teams or kicking. Um, The game should be faster running clock. We love that seven on seven format, but you know, we're playing in a television studio, so you can still run out. There's no walls, but yeah, took a step back and we, you know, raised some capital and this is kind of season 1.0. We, uh, you know, we, we went after, and I'll, I'll touch on Marshawn Lynch, and then we'd love to get to you guys' questions because I'm just talking. But you know what we did was said, I was, I've always been really inspired by Mark Cuban. Um, and so one of the things that we said was like, look, we got 100 different countries calling plays for this team in Salt Lake. They really don't care if we were in Boise or Nebraska or like they didn't, like literally, you know, people in Taiwan didn't care. 
we decided we wanted to go out as opposed to having it be geographic based. We wanted the identities of the team to be around these personalities, you know, like the way the way Mavs are Mark Cuban. You know what I mean? That team is just this extension of him. So we put up on a whiteboard a murderer's road, dudes with huge personalities that could carry a team and, and in different verticals, right? Like we got Marshall Lynch, Richard Sherman, Quavo, you know, we wanted the hip hop stuff. We got a lot of Greg Miller and the kind of funny, which is, you know, digital native groups, just huge personality guys. And it was a pretty easy pitch. You know, you get almost anybody and say, do you want to own a football team? Uh, and you know, they're like beachfront property, right? There's only so many football teams you can own. And so all of them were really in and, and love the concept. And, and, you know, we fast forward and we've got all these uh, really interesting guys and, and ladies uh, participating from an ownership perspective. Which is awesome. So I, I get a lot of vibes here, man. I get, you, you know, you want to own the Cowboys, kind of like Homer Simpson or, or Sarah wanted to own the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. And then there's got to be a Hank Scorpio somewhere who gives them the Broncos, which ends up being the Salt Lake team. And, <laughs> and, and, and you, you know, you also have this flavor of, you know, you grew up playing Madden and that, that was your introduction, which for me was the first game I could really remember football wise was, was really Tech Mobile and the second sure, yeah. Super Tech Mobile. And then, and then of course that bled in, bled into Madden. But like you yeah. said, the fan IQ is so freaking high at this point. And there, and Brandon, you know this world so well with being being a podcaster for so many years. There are so many fans who know who know so much more, even than the personalities that are on TV, than the talking heads that are out there that are even more involved, which is which is super impressive. So I love the crowdsourcing angle. I love the fact that you guys are tapped and wired into so many people. And you actually answered something I was going to ask later too about was was it your decision from Jump Street to be like geolocation neutral because your games are being played in like Duluth, Georgia, yeah. but, but like, you know, Hey, it's, it's a studio, like you said, but the post COVID world, will it be in multiple locations? Will it be, will there be any sort of attachment to a city or no, it's, it's just about those personalities. Well, so we actually, one of the reasons, you know, we, a lot of the investment community was really excited about uh, fan control football because we'd been thinking about fanless sports before COVID, right? Like, you know, our audience is all digital and this is built for digital natives. And so we were always, the intention was we'd have a couple hundred people there live to, to create atmosphere, but, you know, and, and most of those seats, we wanted to be things that, that fans won, right? An opportunity to, to party with Marshawn, right? Like we had a, you know, a sponsorship lineup for a, you know, a, a bar, we had this party atmosphere, but we'd already been thinking about that um, kind of from the beginning. COVID happened, um, complicated the world, but not our model necessarily. Again, yeah. you know, we re really rethinking the model. It's a shared services model where like all of these teams, they share trainers and they share facilities. And it's like orders of magnitude cheaper to do something like this than it would the AAF is, would be necessarily. And so it'll always be geographic neutral. I think the idea is post pandemic, we will go on a road show, right? So I think the idea would be, we've got, again, we're redefining what the, the relationship between player and fan. And to do that, we've broken down the walls a little bit and said, we've created these six studio shows that are taking place inside the bubble. Shows like Deep Fade, it's a barber show. And Tape Don't Lie, which is where these guys get a, uh, you know, review tape with with coaches that are you know, all on Twitch and you get to know the players. I think the idea would be, you know, each year or each season, we're, ideally we're two seasons a year, we would go to a different city, right? Like ideally Dallas would be an amazing city and then have that shoulder content around the league be reflective of the local community and the local flavor and whatnot. But largely, you know, post-pandemic, you know, there would be a couple hundred people live, but the idea is, is always that we're, you know, we're, this is purpose-built for digital fans. Well, if people are just now tuning in to fan control football, they missed a heck of a weekend this past yeah. weekend, Patrick, because you guys had your first overtime game, which yep. ended in a, a score there. And then you had another game that ended on the very last play of the game. And so I, I have to think that, that people can tune into that and, and maybe go back and watch the highlights or, or even catch full games if they can do that somewhere. 
and they're going to get a sense of really what this game is all about. Yeah, it's 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 we're we're thrilled again. We treated it like software. We we built a rule set and then we went and tested the Catfish. shit out of it just over and over and over. Like what's what's fun? What makes for like high scoring, fast paced, balanced games? And you know, part of the part of that is that draft too. Again, real time weekly drafts. And again, we've given up fans all these ways to get to know players through this through this shoulder content. So they've got this this opportunity to get to know these guys. It gives them a reason to watch both games because it's only four teams. There's two games, so you watch. You get to understand those guys, and then they they draft them each each week. And so it's led to this really balanced, high paced, you know, scoring where you're never really out. Like I think the uh, uh, was it the Zappers were up pretty big early, yeah. and they they the comeback was just incredible because like again anything can happen. So we're that really was the, thrilled it was about the turnover. That. They well, it was right after the big throw down the right sideline and it was a throw yeah. from like the three yard line all the way. And I think he went out of the bounds at the two yard line. And then, yeah. uh, and then the, on the next play where they're going to run it in, it was a, a pitch. He doesn't uh, get a hold of the football and the glacier runs it back for a score. And then yeah. that's right yeah. back in it. Like they were about yeah. to go ahead by two scores. Yeah. It's been, it's been, yeah, it's been super fun. Like we're thrilled about the, you know, like when you introduce personalities like Johnny Menzel and, you know, and his, you know, his pedigree, we didn't know what that was going to do for balance. All these guys, we took, a really hard look, you know, I, I, thanks to the pandemic and other things, we had our pick of folks on the field, right? You know, every year we get asked all the time where these guys come from, but like, you know, 5,000 guys come out of college every year that didn't get a look at the next level that probably should have guys that can play on Saturday that didn't quite make it to Sunday. And so we had, you know, literally a list of, you know, close to a thousand guys that we felt would be a quality product on the field. But then we, we took a second cut, which was ostensibly like a casting pass. And we said, hey, of these thousand guys, who are the guys that get most excited when a camera turns on? Who are the biggest personalities? I wanted, you know, seven Ocho Cinco's per team. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we got these guys with great stories and huge personalities. And and so um, and and the product in the field has been uh, has been great. I think due to again, like having the the opportunity to have all these different guys from you know, various backgrounds on the field. So Patrick, we got like I said earlier, we got thousands of Seahawks fans who are going to tune into this, and I was lucky enough to see this out on Twitter, see people tweeting about Marshawn and Richard. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get involved. I, I figure out, I get to republic.co for the first time ever in my life. And I'm like, within one month, I'm, I'm, I'm buying a coin named after a dog and, uh, <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm owning a football team. I'm like, what a world. Right. So I, so I get in and I, I'm able to, I'm able to invest in the beast. And of course I go with the beast because, yeah. because of Marshawn. So I'm all fired up about that. So I'm, I'm a pretty proud two and O co-owner myself, but now that you're two weeks in, you, the market's getting bigger and bigger. What can people do today? Like, how, what's the best way they can get involved? Is it is it hey, hit the app, hit Twitch? Are there investment opportunities still available? What's what should the next fan think about right now? Yeah, I think the easiest. It's a good question. The, I think the, the easiest vector in would be download the app. So we were the the high. I think we were the number one free sports app in the country over, over both weekends. Um, download the app and they obviously start picking a team. So you have uh, your chance to learn about each team, all the different personalities, and find the one that like you know most resonates with you. A lot of beast fans out there right now. You you mentioned you know Republic. We 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 say power to the fans and mean it a lot. Well, I wanted to give fans opportunity to be able to say like you can like you literally own a football team with Marshawn Lynch. It's a cool thing to be able to say. Um, Due to the laws around that, that we've we've sold out all of our allocation for that. We're hoping that we're able to open that back up in a month, a uh, month and a half. Um, and so, if you're interested in ownership, literally go there and get on a wait list because that that's also uh, kind of blowing up. I think everybody really was excited about you know 
have, being able to financially benefit from their fandom. But yeah, check out the app. It's it's search fan control football or FCF in the app store uh, and go download that. Register for a team and start learning. There's a lot of uh, tools again on our Twitch uh, on our Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/fcf. You can learn a little bit more about how fan IQ works and how you know some of the badging and the power up stuff because we very much built a video game and, and you know we want we want fans to be able to say we won and actually mean it and there's a lot of ways for them to be able to do that and get involved yeah it is super it is super smooth it has like you know a 4.8 or 4.9 rating out of five for a reason because it's it's a damn good app it works and it's and it's quirky in a in a good way i mean that in a fun way where like a couple of hours before before the game or the day before the the app is asking me which pants should the coach wear for the beef, you know? <laughs> and, and I love it too because I'm a marketer. Like in my own, yeah. my own I, I work for a technology company and I'm, I I run the marketing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they got they got a a pants sponsorship. <laughs> like, is, is it, I think it's a loudmouth. Is that is, do I, do I have that right? Yeah, and which which I've seen like twice in my life, and it sticks with me because because of the way it was delivered. Right, I'm like, oh my gosh. I get to choose which freaking crazy pants this, this coach gets to wear. And I'm like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful vestibule to put a brand and bring it right to the people and make it mean something because it's going to show up on a Twitch stream later. So just a little, little uh, hat tip for, uh, for you guys really thinking through the idiosyncrasies, which make it fun, make it sticky. And then the gameplay itself is just kind of next level and really, really going to, I think, be a trailblazer for a lot of leagues to get around and be like, whoa, we, we got some catching up to do. Yeah, thanks for saying. Jenks, uh, Coach Jenkins, uh, he is football Tiger King and literally needed zero. Like th that was the easiest probably sponsor integration you could possibly think of. But it's been cool because like I think we are this this hybrid of traditional sports and esports. And I think a lot of brands want to get into the esports world. But they don't know where to start. And so this is a good way for a lot of brands to dip their toe into that to say, look, hey, we want to explore Twitch and understand that, but with a product that is accessible, people know football. So like Progressive is, you know, this one of these sponsors that like really gets what we're doing and they sponsor something called the Fit Down. You know, we say that we want, want to give fans the ability to say we and mean it. You can, over the course of a week, earn your team a Fit Down by going to fcf.io and participating in quests. It's literally taking some quizzes uh, that you earn fan IQ for, watching some content, and then you actually, once you've done that, you've done your part and your 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 team will go progressing to earn that power. And then one time during the game, it just says one time fit down that the coach can deploy. And, you know, fans can feel good about the fact that they caused that to happen. It's just not a given that they get that. So uh, it's been cool seeing reception from, from a lot of like really forward thinking brands. Well, Patrick, as we close this out, I, I'm curious to know, like we're two games in, we've got four teams in it. How does yep. this ultimately play out for the rest of the, the FCF season? Yeah, it's a good question. It was a bit of a challenge with only having four teams and keeping kind of playoff type stuff. Uh, interesting. Again, so we're drafting uh, over the course of the season. So there's four weeks left. Uh, fans will continue. We're going to have uh, additional franchise players uh, by each team. So they'll be the, the owners and, and fans together will choose who they want to be their keepers, if you will, if you're talking kind of fantasy stuff. Uh, the, so the draft's going to get a little bit smaller. Those teams are going to get locked into week five. And then coming into week six, fans are voting on what the playoff format looks like. Whether, you know, we have, we have an option to like have there be a gauntlet where four has to play three, then two, then one to go all the way. Um, a lot of choose your own adventure is one of the options where the top seed gets to decide who they want to play first. So fans get to choose that. Again, we're getting a little creative with it, again, with, with only having four teams. Uh, but yeah, we've, you know, only four more weeks left in the season for season 1.0. Um, and then we're you know, doing a really deep postmortem saying, hey, what works? What can we improve on and how do we integrate fans, you know, in, into the experience more deeply? 
Sweet. We'd love to love to have you back and, and get get some updates. And, and as, yeah. you get, as you get the season 1.0 in the books, good luck with the rest of it. It's been a blast so far. And of course, as a as a co-owner of the Beast, I'll just say, the Beast, baby, that's it. Make it home. <laughs> love it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back. So we'll, we'll definitely do it. Well, a big thanks to Patrick for coming on and talking about fan-controlled football, especially since we had the Seahawks tie-ins with Marshawn Lynch with Richard Sherman and very cool to get, you know, just a guy who, who put this all together on the show and talking about it. Uh, really, really happy to have him on. Yeah. I'm really happy to be a co-owner. Got to tell you. Yeah, you're, you're really rubbing that in too. You, <laughs> you, you, you were telling me I should get on board with this. I missed my window. Maybe there'll be another window. We'll see, but uh, yeah, it's fun. I, I'm happy for you. And uh, I'm even happier. We got to, we got to talk to the man himself. Yeah, good guy, great idea, and I love the fact that they got a cool, cool set of technology that that they're already looking to expand with. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm excited because you, you could envision a future where those things bleed into things like the NFL, too, because why not? Good ideas are going to spread. And coming up this weekend, Clinton, I, I have adopted the—now, I didn't buy into it, but I have adopted the Glacier Boys as my team, and we've got the, the matchup here between the Glacier Boys and the Beasts. Uh, coming up this weekend. So this oh. is, it's rivalry week for you and me. It is. And perhaps we should, if you want to, we could do a little recap later. Who knows if people, people want to hear that, but I'm always going to talk football. Especially and we can put a hundred Dogecoin on the line for a bet. I, I got, I, I own more than more than a hundred. I'll put a hundred Doge <laughs> on it. Sound good. We're in. All right. There it is. A hundred Doge, a hundred Doge on the line. Go beasts. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks. <laughs>